Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with polygamy in the Bible as we pick up in Genesis chapter 28, verse 29. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. By the time we come to the New Testament, then the purposes of God are more clearly defined. When the church is developed, polygamy is definitely prohibited. And those who were to be the overseers of the church were to be husbands of one wife and keeping their homes. And this was still in a time in which mistresses and courtesans and so forth were widely accepted in the Grecian culture and in the Roman culture. So problems did develop, jealousies and all. Rachel, whom he loved more than Leah, and even in that you have a difficult situation. That's, that's going to create hurt feelings. That's going to create difficult living. But Rachel was barren. But Leah conceived, and she bore a son. And she called his name, Look, a son. (laughs) For she said, The Lord has looked upon my affliction. He, He sees that he doesn't love me so much as he loves my sister. So look, a son. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. Isn't that rather pathetic? She senses a lack of love from Jacob, and she's hoping now that I've borne him a son, now will he love me? And reaching out for love, as I say, this is just the tragic byproduct of this polygamous relationship. And she conceived again and bore another son, and she said, because the Lord has heard that I was hated, And that word hated should not be taken literally. I was loved less. He didn't really hate her, but he didn't love her as much as he loved Rachel. He hath therefore given me this son. And so she called his name hearing, which the Lord has heard me. So she called his name I've been heard or hearing. She conceived again for another son. And said, now this time will my husband be joined to me because I have had three sons for him. And so she called his name Joined. And she conceived again and bare a son. And she said, now will I praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Praise. And she left off bearing. So the names of the boys were actually indicative of of her desires to be accepted, to be loved, and uh, they probably were born within a year of each other. Now when Rachel saw that she could not bear Jacob children, Rachel envied her sister and she said to Jacob, Give me children or else I'm going to die. And Jacob was angry with her, and he said, Am I in God's place who hath withheld thee from the fruit of the womb? So here's some hard feelings and harsh words between husband and wife. 
because Rachel feels the disgrace of not being able to bear children. And so she said, Behold my maid Bilhah, go into her, and she shall bear upon my knees that I may have children by her. And so she gave him Bilhah, her handmaid, as a wife, and Jacob went into her, and Bilhah conceived, and bare Jacob a son. And Rachel said, God hath judged me, and so she called his name Judge, Dan. Daniel means God is judge. But she called him Dan because she said, God has judged me. And Bilhah, Rachel's maid, conceived again. Now, these could have been coinciding. These, these boys could be being born at the same time that Leah was having her sons. She conceived again, bare Jacob a second son. And Rachel said, with great wrestlings have I wrestled with my sister. And now I have prevailed. And so she called his name Wrestler. And Leah saw that she had finished bearing or left off bearing, and so she took Zilpah, her maid, and gave her to Jacob as his wife. <laughs> this competition, you have to <laughs> admit that he was a very virile man. <laughs> and Zilpah, Leah's maid, bare Jacob a son. And Leah said, a troop cometh, and she called his name Gad. Now, that may be an unfortunate translation. There are those who believe that it should not be translated a troop. But I forget what it's supposed to be translated, so you can look that up. Leah's, and Zilpah, Leah's maid, bore Jacob a second son, and Leah said, Happy am I. For all the daughters will call me blessed, and so she called his name Happy. And Reuben went in the days of the wheat harvest. Now, Reuben was probably only about seven years old at this time, but he was the oldest son. And in the days of the wheat harvest, he went out and he found mandrakes in the field. Now, a mandrake was a little orange-colored fruit that grew on bushes. And the mandrakes were thought to have had aphrodisiac type of powers and also fertility powers and they were thought they were called love apples and and they were thought to have fertility powers and so Reuben brought them into his mother Leah and then Rachel said to Leah give me I pray thee of your son's mandrakes, probably hoping that they would make her fertile. And Leah said unto her, Is it a small matter that you have taken my husband, and would you take also my son's mandrakes? <laughs> and Rachel said, I'll give you permission to spend the night with him if you'll give me your son's mandrakes. And so Jacob came out of the field, and Leah came out to meet him and said, You're mine tonight. <laughs> For surely I have hired you with my son's mandrakes. <laughs> now again, you can see the problems with polygamy. I don't read of Jacob complaining. <laughs> I imagine it was sort of healthy for his ego to have them fighting over him this way. 
And so he went into her that night, and God hearkened unto Leah, and she conceived and bore a fifth son. And Leah said, God has given me my hire, because I have given my maiden to my husband. And she called his name Hired. And Leah conceived again, and bare Jacob the sixth son. And Leah said, God hath endued me with a good dowry. Now will my husband dwell with me. I have borne him six sons, and she called his name Dwelling. And afterward she bore a daughter and called her name Dinah. Now how many other daughters were born, we don't know. If there were daughters born in between here, we don't know. We do know that Jacob did have daughters. They are mentioned later, but none of them by name. Dinah is the only daughter that is named, and she is only named here because she becomes an important part of the story later. But girls weren't named. Girls weren't considered valuable. Uh, only the fellows were considered valuable. In fact, when a woman went into labor, they would gather together all the things for a feast and prepare to have a great big feast. They'd bring in the wine and, and, the, and the meat and everything else. And when the baby was born, if it were a boy, they would just have a huge party and a big feast. If it was a girl, they'd just fold up everything and go home. <laughs> so you've come a long way, baby. <laughs> and in reality, it is through Jesus Christ that the cultural patterns have been so changed where he has brought us to the place where there is no superior sex. But Christ is all and in all. And, and it's so neat that, that through Jesus Christ we have been able to recognize a total equality not only of, of the sexes but of people themselves. And the thing that God hates is, is the exalting or lifting up of one person above another, thinking that you're more important or uh, you're more, you know, you're greater or whatever, uh, is an attitude that God detests. He wants us to all recognize that uh, the equality, there is no difference, Paul said. There are similarities in all of us. We've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. We all need the Savior, Jesus Christ. And in Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, male nor female. It's just an equality all in Jesus, and, and we're one together in him. So it's a very beautiful thing that Christ has done for us in bringing to us that recognition of the value of all persons. And he places tremendous value on each of you. So much so, he said, what should a prophet of man if he would gain the whole world and lose his own soul? He's talking about you and your soul. It's more important to God than the whole world. And thus he has placed a high value upon each of us, and he has prized you dearly. So problems arose because of this relationship. But God, verse 22, remembered Rachel, and God hearkened to her and opened her womb. And she conceived and bare a son, and she said, God has taken away my reproach. And so she called his name Joseph, which means adding, which she was hoping that God would add now more sons. 
And so it was, it was, his name was sort of a, expressing the hope of her heart that now I will be able to, to give my husband more sons. And so it came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph that Jacob said to Laban, Send me away that I may go unto my own place and to my country. Now, at this point, Reuben, the oldest, could not have been more than 12 years old because Jacob only served six years after the seven years for the second dowry. He served a total of 20 years. So having married in the seventh year, and of course figuring the nine-month pregnancy and so forth, and now the 20 years are almost over, it means that the oldest of his sons was still quite young. Reuben was at this point, uh, at the time that Joseph was born, just about 12 and a half years old, perhaps, or 12 years old, somewhere in there. And so that's a lot of little kids running around. 12 and under, you've got, a, uh, you've got 12 kids at least. We don't know how many other girls, but there are at least 12 that are running around at this point. And, uh, well, of course, the, Joseph isn't running around yet, but, I mean, you've got a bunch of them around at least. And so Jacob is coming, and he's saying, give me my own place, my own country. Beg your pardon. At this point, he doesn't leave. He stays on and serves. So that means that Reuben, at this point, is probably only seven years old. So you've got all of them born within a seven-year span, all of these that you've just read about. So it's even more crowded with little ones. Because at this point, he's just saying, send me away, and then he contracts for six more years. And, and Joseph is already born. So all of them are born in this short space of time. Send me away to my own place, to my own country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served thee, and let me go, for you know my service that I have done to thee. And Laban said unto him, I pray thee, if I have found favor in thine eyes, tarry. For I have learned by experience. The word experience there is teraphim. I have learned by my little gods, or, in, or not, not terrible, but it's enchantments. I've learned by enchantments that the Lord hath blessed me for thy sake. So he was serving pagan gods. He would have these little enchantments and so forth and, and uh, seeking counsel and all from them. And he had learned by his enchantments that the Lord hath blessed me for thy sake. And he said, appoint me thy wages and I will give it. Just tell me, what do you want? I'll pay your wages. And so he said unto him, You know how I have served you and how your cattle were with me. For it was little which you had before I came, and now it is increased unto a multitude, and the Lord hath blessed thee since my coming. And now when shall I provide for my own household also? In other words, Jacob is saying, Hey, you remember when I came, you really didn't have much. You had just a small flock. And now through my diligence, my service, you know, you really have a lot of wealth, the great multitude of herds and all. And he said, well, what shall I give you? And Jacob said, you will not give me anything. For if you will do this thing for me, I will again feed and keep your flock. In other words, I won't take anything from you, but this is the deal I'll make with you. I will pass through all thy flock today, removing from them all of the speckled and spotted cattle, and all the brown cattle among the sheep, and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and of all such as, and of such shall be my hire. 
And so shall my righteousness answer for me in the time to come, when it shall come for my hire before thy face, every one that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and the, and the brown among the sheep that shall be counted stolen with me. And Laban said, Behold, I would that it might be according to thy word. And he removed that day the he-goats that were rain-straked and spotted and the she-goats that were speckled and spotted, and every one that had some white in it, and all of the brown among the sheep, and he gave them unto the hand of his sons. And he set three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. Now Jacob said, Look, all of those that are born, that are rain straight, speckled, and so forth, they will be my hire. The solid colors will be yours. Laban says, All right, good deal. And then immediately he goes out, sends his sons out, and pulls them all out of the flock and takes them three days' journey so that they cannot intermingle with the solid colors. So he leaves Jacob with nothing but solid colors. And he takes all of those that were rain straight or, or spotted or whatever, completely out of the scene, so that Jacob is just led, left with the solid colors. Now Jacob is saying, this is the way I want it, so that my righteousness will speak for me. In other words, God will be the one that blesses me. Now he, he had the promise of God, go and I'm going to bless thee. And he had that promise of God of blessing. So he was confident that God would take care of the issue, but he was also a little bit knowledgeable of breeding practices. He had spent his life around animals, breeding them and so forth, and he was conscious of some of the genetic uh, issues of the dominant and recessive traits and so forth. And uh, he uh, used some of his knowledge of these things in developing the flocks. So shall my righteousness answer for me in the time to come. In other words, he's committing it unto the Lord that God is going to prove that I have been righteous and all. And Laban said, uh, all right, let it be. And he took the flocks and separated them three days' journey. So Jacob took rods of green poplar and of hazel in the chestnut tree, and he piled white strakes in them and made the white appear which was in the rods, and he set the rods which he had piled uh, before the flocks in the gutters and in the watering troughs, and when the flocks came to drink, that they should conceive when they came to drink. The flocks conceived before the rods, and they brought forth cattle, rain-straked, speckled, and spotted. And Jacob did separate the lambs, and he set the faces of the flocks toward the rain-straked, and all the brown of the flock of Laban, and he put his own flocks by themselves, and he put them not unto Laban's cattle. And it came to pass, whensoever the stronger cattle did conceive, that Jacob laid the rods before their eyes of the cattle in the gutters that they might conceive among the rods. But when the cattle were feeble, he put them not in. And so the feebler were Laban's, and the stronger were Jacob's. And the man increased exceedingly, and had much cattle, and made servants and men servants, and camels and asses. Now, there are those who believe that he was actually trying to uh, give sort of a prenatal thing, you know, by making the straight, uh, the striped boughs and so forth, and so there would be sort of a prenatal impression that would create. Uh, the Hebrew word conceived is actually to be made hot, and uh, we do know that... Uh, by placing stripes in front of them causes them to desire to conceive. 
So it was probably that which he was doing rather than trying to uh, prenatally mark them, that he would just, knowing the genetic structures and the recessive genes and so forth, that the recessives combined with the dominant, uh, you know, can come forth and spotted and grizzlied and so forth. And, and he was sharp. He knew what he was doing, no doubt. And the stronger ones, he had set these things and caused them to conceive. The weaker ones went on to Laban. And anyhow, he was getting the better of the deal. And he heard the words of Laban's son saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's. And all that which was our father's hath he gotten all this glory. In other words, they're now saying, hey, that really belongs to our dad. Jacob's stolen it from us. Not so. Jacob made the deal. His dad made the deal. But now the brothers are jealous because Jacob has such a, a large flock. They're so strong and healthy, and, and there's a great jealousy. return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Genesis on our next broadcast, as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Genesis 28-31 through when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is the Word for Today. P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and bless you and keep you. May he bring you into a fresh awareness of his presence. And may you experience a fresh work of God within your lives through his spirit working in you. And may you come into a deeper relationship of love, love for God and love for each other so that your life might be pleasing to Him as you rejoice in the Lord always. God bless and God keep. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Have you ever thought about this simple phrase, God loves you? This just might be the most important truth you could ever grasp, that God has called you into a loving relationship with himself. Unfortunately, many of us have been brought up to think that we need to earn God's love. In Chuck Smith's book, Why Grace Changes Everything, Pastor Chuck imparts years of wisdom from his own experiences, how he thought he had to work hard and deny his own desires for God to love him. But when he unlocked the secret to God's grace, this changed 
changed everything. Come alongside Pastor Chuck to discover an astonishing truth about your relationship with Jesus Christ. That it's not based upon your works, but based upon God's love for you. It's true. Grace changes everything. To find out more and to read a preview, visit thewordfortoday.org and click on the link to download Why Grace Changes Everything by Chuck Smith. Or if you would like to order this book in print, call The Word for Today at 800-272-9673. 